This is Danny, and you're listening to another episode of the Texas Trailhead Podcast. Welcome back. This week, I'm going to be telling you all about my favorite outdoor subscription box. It's a great company. I think they do a lot of really good work, and the products that you're going to find in them uh, are really useful, and I can't wait for you to learn about them. If you follow the Facebook page, um, some of the people on there have received some of the goodies that come out of the subscription box company. So maybe you should find me on Facebook, the Texas Trailhead, and um, I don't do anything official, but I feel that people that are on that page that are engaged, I think should be rewarded. So, um, and then on the second segment, it's going to be the first of a handful of different pieces in relation to geotagging. I think that we need to really start talking about geotagging and what the responsibility is for some of us that really want to share the outdoors, um, but share the outdoors in a responsible way. So, Enjoy this week's episode. Hope everyone's happy. I hope everyone's healthy and I hope everyone's doing the best that they can. Enjoy. Welcome to the Texas Trailhead Podcast. I started hiking to help with my health, both mental and physical. And now I'm encouraging y'all to get out and enjoy the trails, the outdoors, camping, all that stuff that Texas and beyond has to offer. So join me, Danny Laurel, as I'm sharing stories from myself and others who enjoy the outdoors as well. So grab your backpack, put on your hiking shoes, and let's go on another adventure. This is the Texas Trailhead. In the era of social distancing during the global pandemic, a lot of people stayed home more. That doesn't mean that people aren't spending time outdoors as much, but, you know, a lot of the state parks are still doing the reservation system and open natural spaces around the state have just different guidelines that people need to follow. But to limit the need to head to the stores, subscription boxes are a great way to eliminate the need to head to the stores that may be closed. So I definitely want y'all to learn about one of my, or not one of my, it's my favorite outdoor subscription box from Cairn. So what do the Cairn subscription boxes include? Sometimes it's hard to decide on which gear is best to use among the many brands that are out there now. Cairn boxes try and take out the struggle of over-researching by picking what you like based off of some questions you answer when you register. You wouldn't want to receive rock climbing gear if that's not your interest, right? Cairn subscription boxes feature all of the top outdoor brands, but they also feature some up-and-coming companies as they look for best-in-class products. And these are all new products, not outlet or discontinued items. And that's really important because you do see that um, in a lot of different subscription boxes, not necessarily just outdoor subscription boxes, but just the boxes in general. The Karen boxes are available in four different subscription options. You can do a monthly collection and you pay $29.95 a month. You can do a monthly collection that you pay $169 dollars and 50 cents every six months saves you a little bit 
And then you can do the monthly collection that you pay $329.40 for the entire year. And then you save a little bit on that. So those are all boxes you receive once a month. But then you have the Obsidian Collection, and that's $249.95 per quarter, so every three months. But the difference with the Obsidian is that you get more products in each box, about five to ten products versus two to six, and over $300 of retail value in the Obsidian boxes. And they're, they're bigger boxes, too, so you get bigger product. You'll receive 12 of the monthly boxes because, duh, it's 12 months. And then, so, four of the Obsidian boxes. So you get more frequent boxes with the monthly plan, but they just have less items and smaller items. All of the boxes ship for free, and you can cancel anytime. When you receive the gear, you then have the option to review it to earn thank you points that you can use for some other items they have in their shop. You can also use it as a donation, which I think is totally awesome. One of the exciting new programs Karen has created is the Unstacked Auction Initiative. Prices of items continue to drop until someone sees a price they like. If the price drops to zero, then the item is no longer available. So, bit of a gamble, but a great opportunity to grab some gear at a good price point. That is, if you've got that quick draw. You don't need to have any type of subscription to participate in that, but you do have to create a profile to make any purchases. While Karen is a seller of outdoor products, they also live the brand values as well. The Gear Up Give Back program just ended its second year, and they were able to partner up with GearFix to donate $27,000 to the Conservation Alliance. The mission of Gear Up give back is mainly to keep gear that's no longer being used out of landfills. It created an easy way for people to donate their well-loved gear, and GearFix will take the items, fix them up if needed, and resell them. Then the net proceeds are then distributed to Outdoors for All. Since its launch in 2014, Cairn Boxes have given fans of the outdoors some great gear that they either have heard of or help expose great new brands to outdoor enthusiasts. I like them because the founders Jared Peterson and Rob Little really embody the love of the outdoors in their own lives, and you really see that in the way the brand operates. And in this climate of outdoor brand saturation, at least that separates them from the others. And hopefully you agree too. If you want to learn more about Cairn, you can find links to their information in the description of this podcast. And just a full transparency, a full disclosure, Cairn does send me a box, a monthly box to review. And you can learn more about what's inside. And I will start sharing the monthly boxes with you as well but I wanted to make that clear. But all of the opinions are my own. Thanks. Stay tuned for more after the break. One of the first posts that I had on the Texas Trailhead website was a short commentary on an article from REI. It was titled, Is Photography Ruining the Outdoors? The premise was that as more and more people head outdoors, and are drawn to view specific locations firsthand, is the popularity of a location itself ruining the actual land? 
the actual space around it. The buzzword that I've heard about this, it's called phototourism. The first time I read it was in a New York Times article talking about how photographers were ruining places like Delta Lake and the Grand Tetons. The issue, according to the Times, was that to get to these locations, and specifically Delta Lake, you're having to travel on smaller trails to get to the location. So the higher traffic was eroding the area around it as more and more people could get it for the gram, so to speak. Then you have places in Texas like the Narrows, a seemingly magical location of curved walls cut out by water and time, only accessible by walking through said water or by sidestepping that and going on to private property. Or something more local to me, the 360 Bridge in Austin, Texas, that has been photographed at least a thousand times, and now the cliff to get the best shot is littered, giving a glimpse to the photogs that have been there before and before and before. There were other issues, too. The article mentions that in places like Yellowstone, guests are taking pictures not just of the scenery, but of the wildlife as well and thus putting themselves in danger, trying to get an epic shot with a bison. But this can also put animals at risk, especially in the case of South Africa, where signs went up warning visitors not to share locations of rhinos to protect them from poachers. It's definitely multi-layered, and there need to be some guidelines. But who is mostly to blame, and who is responsible for creating the guidelines? A lot of people would put the blame on outdoor influencers. So that's another buzzword, influencers. And one that a lot of people would normally not call themselves. It's typically a title given. But to be honest, I don't have an issue with it. The title, at least. Not with what my mission is with the Texas Trailhead. I want to influence people's decisions to go outside. I want to influence people by giving them information that helps them realize that going outside will also make you feel better. And as Spider-Man says, that comes with a certain level of responsibility. With that level of responsibility, some people may go overboard and start gatekeeping the outdoors, creating their own set of rules that others should follow, that don't follow anything else besides one person's opinion pitted against another. Gatekeeping comes in many forms. Photographers not wanting to give up their favorite spot. Anglers not wanting to give up their favorite fishing hole. Or even hunters that know the best section of land to find the best opportunity to get that trophy to shoot. Those are all examples of gatekeeping. That is not just providing the information voluntarily. But other forms of gatekeeping can include people on the trail harassing others to follow the rules of the outdoors. To not harm the natural space in any way, impossibly creating an uncomfortable experience for other people trying to enjoy the outdoors in their own way. There are organizations like Leave No Trace that have been heavily marketed as the outdoor lawmakers. And there are people that obsess about its philosophy and its guidelines. And that's where this all started for me. 
On September 9th, 2020, the Leave No Trace Instagram account put out a post updating its geotagging stance. It stated, and I quote, Leave No Trace is not anti-geotagging. It continues on. Posting a photo that specifies your location, along with appropriate Leave No Trace information, can be a great way for others to learn about your favorite place and invite people into the outdoors. It can also empower people to research safety measures, learn about the location's history and culture, and find out what to expect when visiting. Remember that people viewing your photo may not be familiar with the importance of planning ahead, so it's always a great idea to include leave-no-trace information and encourage further learning in your caption. And that's end quote. Seems pretty straightforward, right? Over 300 comments from various viewpoints are on this post. You have one mindset that shunned LNT, leave no trace, for being irresponsible and promoting the ruining of the outdoors. And you had another side that was appreciative that they're letting people share, but share responsibly. Instagram user Vinyl Snobbery commented, and I quote, You still have my support, but y'all lost me on this one. Geotagging wreaks havoc on our wilderness areas, and there is absolutely no way to convey the true message and education of Leave No Trace through a flippant ego post of a beautiful and fragile place. Retta Betta comments, and I quote, I think thoughtful geotagging is a great way to encourage diversity and anti-classism in the outdoors. I almost never geotag specific locations, but gatekeeping the outdoors can be so toxic and elitist. End quote. A lot of it boils down to the location itself. If you've been to a location that was hard to get to, you have a sense of accomplishment. You should feel proud of yourself for finding it. But then, it can feel like it belongs to you, and you want to protect it. Are you protecting it because you feel like no one else can enjoy it? Or are you truly protecting it because you don't want an increase of foot traffic? That's the balance. And that is where the responsibility kicks in. There are places that are designed to handle increased foot traffic. And in 2020, the United States saw a surge of travelers to some of the most popular national parks. You're always seeing local areas that have always been popular coming up with interesting ways bottleneck the traffic. Texas State Parks created a mandatory reservation system and limited the amount of people that could visit the park on a given day. Local parks have taken to that reservation system as well to try and limit the amount of visitors. I'm sure you've all experienced this in some form so far. Even with continued backlash, the state parks, from what I've seen, have really kept the amount of people down. But in a lot of areas that don't have any regulations, you're seeing swells of people gathering into sections of land that really aren't meant to handle that many people. So that brings us back to Leave No Trace. For 25 years, they have been advocates for enjoying the outdoors responsibly and protecting the natural space and the wildlife. 
They also have a set of seven principles that people should follow to ensure that those things are met. One of those principles is be considerate of other visitors. Now, they mean that if you're enjoying the outdoors, don't be so obtuse in your enjoyment that it creates an unenjoyable experience for others. They cite examples of loud music on the trail or brightly colored tents at your campsite. But what it absolutely doesn't state is shaming others in how they're enjoying the trail. It's simply a guideline for people to follow. So there's the rub. Where is the fine line between gatekeeping and trying to inform? If someone wants to take a picture that puts them in a precarious situation or has to be accessed by going off trail, what is our responsibility to that fellow hiker? Should we be judge and jury as to how others can enjoy the outdoors? Over the course of this podcast and the next few episodes, I'll be speaking with a variety of people that photograph in the outdoors or spend time in the outdoors, and they will give some insight into best practices and ways we can all work together to make the outdoors enjoyable but accessible to others. But we'll start with me. I feel that I definitely have a responsibility to maintain the ultimate goal of the website. And the goal is, as I stated earlier, to get people outside and to enjoy the outdoors. I also feel like I have a responsibility to let people know of certain places or situations that may be unsafe or may require some additional skill levels out on the trails. And along with that, there are times when I feel that sharing safe spaces or sharing outdoor spaces doesn't necessarily require me to be super specific. I have no issue with geotagging parks themselves. I think the parks are there for us to enjoy. And if somebody sees a post and they realize it's close to them, I want people to be able to feel like they can go access it. That being said, there are times when I have a a place that I'm visiting, and I don't feel the need to be super specific about it. I think that the journey and exploring and discovering things on your own is a fun feeling. But I am not telling people what they can do or how to be an advocate for how to tell others how to enjoy the outdoors. I absolutely do not want people to take it into their own hands to make someone else's experience unenjoyable. But then the balance comes in when I do feel that people aren't being safe. Do I just mind my own business? Or should I tell somebody like, hey, that is a scenic overlook that doesn't have any barriers you should be careful i mean where where that i I think that's the struggle with me and honestly i don't really encounter that many people out on the trail because i typically hike during the week and before the reservation systems a lot of people weren't really hiking on a tuesday or wednesday afternoon 
So there's definitely a balance. I, I take a lot of pride in the locations that I've been to and sharing those locations. And if it's definitely a place that I feel can handle the traffic. And when I was speaking about that earlier, these are people that have millions of millions of followers and they put up a picture. And a lot of those places are sensitive areas. And I am by no means... Uh, uh, an Instagram account that has a ton of followers, but in the few in the upcoming episodes, I will be talking to people that have a a broader reach, and I'm interested to see what that perspective is. So, for for now, I will be responsible in my posts as well, and give any information as to the areas and kind of what to be on the lookout for and do the best that I can and describe the locations and skill levels and what they can expect. And I think, I think that's a fair balance, but you know, that's just me. And as I talk to the different people, I may have an opinion that evolves as well. So Look forward to those upcoming episodes. And if you have an opinion on geotagging in either way, please reach out to me. I would love to talk to you and and share your thoughts on the matter. You can locate me at info, I-N-F-O, at thetexastrailhead.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Texas Trailhead Podcast. If you like what you heard, please let me know by leaving feedback on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. You can also support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. You can find this on anchor.fm and just search the Texas Trailhead. Still looking for more? Click the links below to find the website, Facebook page and see pictures from the outdoors on my Instagram page. So until next time, grab your backpack, put on your hiking shoes, and let's go out on another adventure. This is the Texas Trailhead.